Hi, my name is Jasmine and I own Chic Sin City in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at Chic Sin City. Cue the music! In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, we wanted to create a podcast where you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the LashCast podcast, and here is your host, Paul Lubers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is a broadcast by lash professionals for lash professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm sitting in the room here while it's raining outside with Erica and Tusney. It seems like lately it's been raining a lot when we do this podcast, which makes at least Erica and I very happy. Yes, because we love rain so much. Except I wish that I was out in it. Yeah, that's true. I would. We should do a podcast in the rain. That's Whatever. not ever. <laughs> and we can play that music. Podcast in the rain. No more. That's. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a real thing. No, it's not a real thing. Oh, because we'd I'm, be electrocuted also by all uh, of these electronics. Electronics, that's true. We're safe right now. Well, anyhow, we just got done last week with ICE, or as I always like to call it, ISSE, which everyone tells me is wrong. I just like to be wrong a lot, so that's cool. Um, and I just thought we may sh- talk real quick before we get into today's topic, which is actually from the ICE show. And I thought we chat a little bit about your guys' experience, what you thought, any cool people, any things you saw on the floor, maybe. I I did not walk onto the floor once. Yeah, I mean, either. I time. didn't either. No. There was like no time. I, I barely, you know. We you, barely survived this show every year. Yeah, yeah, I could have, but I just was, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it this year. Not feeling the love. Yeah. yeah. I mean, once you start teaching, like we did, we had five classes. I just feel like we're running from one class to the next. And then if you have free time, you're just trying to eat or mm-hmm. sleep or in our case, still finishing keynotes you know, on Saturday night. No, it's just pure survival. Yeah. But if you do go, it is fun. I mean, it was neat. We had pretty full classes overall mm-hmm. and we met a lot of neat new people. And we hopefully that we'll see more of you in upcoming shows. We're going to be at the IBS show in Vegas and we have other things coming this year. We'll be out on the road a little bit so you can meet us at other locations. So anyhow, we had a great time hopefully you did too if you get a chance to go to ice next year definitely try to make it it's a good chance of especially on the west coast southern california bay area you know phoenix arizona something like that you can drive in hang out for a day see a lot of product meet a lot of cool people borboletta had a little cocktail party that we went to and got a demo and met some other people and it was overall just a fun experience it's neat networking that's the fun part about it and that's mm-hmm. why you should go to trade shows i think is aside from seeing products is really a good chance to network and connect with our lash professionals one thing that I did miss doing, and I had made a point, I said, like, I want to do that in the very beginning because the PBA has a really big booth, but this year they had, like, three different, like, selfie booths that yeah. they, like, made out with lighting and hanging. Fruit. No, like not cool fruit. Backdrops. Um, hanging hair dryers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was always a line. There was a never-ending line to get pictures for that because it looked so cute. Like, yeah. So that's the only thing. I, I got did. a ton of photos of there myself. <laughs> oh, did you? Huh? <laughs> Every time I disappeared, I that's was in the photo. I was over huh? there. Yeah. Just taking selfies with all these beautiful women. It was amazing. Yeah, cool. yeah. I wish that was true. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that these shows are great because I always leave so like, yeah, encouraged, but also with a new, I don't know, fire under my butt or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it does do that. It does think. It reignites mm-hmm. the flame. 
It yeah. does. Because I know for me, we love January because in January we go to serious business and we go to ICE. And then in the summer we go to IBS, IECSC, and Cosmoprof, which are in June and July. So I feel like those are halfway points for us each year. So every mm-hmm. six months we get like a little boost. Yeah, we basically just get that little kick in the butt to keep you going because you mm-hmm. meet a lot of people. You talk about ideas. Or people sharing what they're doing. You get excited and you push each other. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to have that type of connection. So it's good to do at least a couple of these a year. It is cool. And then the fun part is like seeing everybody from, oh, Serious Business just last week. You know, yeah. like, oh, my God. How you doing, Gail? I saw Gail Fulbright. They had yeah. a salon and they were on the cover and, you know. Yeah, no, it is fun. really cool. And it, it gives you something to aim for, to look forward to, to break the routine because mm-hmm. really if we're in the room every day just doing lashes, that can over time get a little dry. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to have these little breaks where you can do something outside of that realm and meet people and, and also share that burden. I mean, I don't know how many people DM us now or even I meet them personally, like, oh, my gosh, you guys, all the things you talk about so true, my struggles, da, da, that's so real. So it's really neat to be able to have that kind of chance to build each other up and support each other. So it's really mm-hmm. cool. So anyhow, that said, um, if you can, our next show we're going to be at will be at IBS, but we have another thing coming in April that we're real close to announcing. And when we do, we'll be very, very big on the, putting it out everywhere. Should be a great chance for you to come and hang out with us. Um, a quick a couple announcements. If you are looking for training, we still have that up on here. You can go to our Instagram, Lashcast, and in the bio, you can click on it, and I'll take you to our Lash Boot Camp. We are still accepting guest announcers for future episodes, so if you want to submit that, that script is in, I think, almost every one of our information or notes on each episode. So you go in there, and you'll see the guest announcer information. You can just record that. That's what you heard it before this episode. We're open to anyone. We have some people that we ask personally to do it, but we've also had people just submit their stuff who listened to our episode and the idea is for our listeners really we really want the listeners to do that it's something kind of cool way for us to connect with you and for you to promote yourself to our community also we have our facebook group so don't forget to join integrity lash boot camp where we put up information share stuff that we learn here and lastly if you promote our instagram page we give out a 25 dollars gift card from amazon every couple weeks so keep posting away and we'll just randomly select and pick someone to win that okay today we're going to talk about well, I guess myths. I mean, we do this a lot already, kind of, but I think we're going to just go a little deeper this time mm. on a few. And so we just taught a class on myths, and I think overall the class went extremely well, and the class really, I think there was only one myth. I think people kind of scratched their head and go, I've never heard of that one. So <laughs> and it was like, well, we just searched the Instagram for these myths. I mean, we're just reading reading all these posts looking for people's thoughts and ideas. And sometimes we may find a stray one. It's like, okay, I think that's just a really strange out there one. So that said, I think the ones we have today are all pretty much dead on. These are myths that I think most people either believe right now or a large percentage of lash stylists believe or feel like they should believe. And so I thought we will discuss those. How about that? Yeah, that's good. Sounds good? Yeah, yeah. what a shock to you guys. You had no idea that was coming yeah, on. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not prepared. Not prepared. I need a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so our first myth that we're going to talk about And I've heard this actually thrown around a lot of places. And there is some truth behind this. But at the same time, I think people go so far to abide by this one that they're missing the opportunity to really take care of the clients and build that trust. And that is that we should never give out any medical advice. Mm. What do you guys think? Well, there's definitely a balance to it. Because, of course, we're not doctors. We can't Mm -hmm. prescribe. We can't diagnose. Mm -hmm. But I think we've seen it taken to an extreme in some areas that really, at the end of the day, do a disservice to our clients. So I think so. Yeah. On some websites out there, I'm not going to name anybody because I think 
everybody's goal is to help. Yeah, no but one's doing this being no, malicious. Or, no, but, you know, I think it's a misguided attempt because this one, I think, can hurt us. And the claim is that, you know, if a client complains and says, my eyes are itchy or it feels like there's something in them, our answer has to be, I can give you no medical advice. You need to see a doctor. You can't even... And that is something that I don't think would go over very well with our clients. We have a duty to inform them of the risks, and we have a duty to inform them of the likely things that they are to encounter or we have encountered, and to explain how those things can be treated. The trouble is, is that, like you said, we're not doctors, and we aren't to give a diagnosis. We aren't to say, you have conjunctivitis. You know, you have contact dermatitis, even if they're presenting with contact dermatitis symptoms. What we say is it appears you have contact dermatitis. It is not a definitive diagnosis, so it appears this way. Or it appears that your eyes are red. It appears that we may have breached the waterline. If that's the case, this is what the doctor is going to tell you. So let's just take those two examples. They're the most common things that you'll probably run into, the most common things that we've run into before. The client calls you and says, my eyes are red and glassy and they sting, they burn really bad and they're swollen. And, you know, we both know or we all know that sometimes clients in trying to explain something describe it incorrectly. So they might say, oh, there's discharge coming from my eyes. And when we think discharge, we're thinking yellow You know, pink eye, something like that. But when they're talking about, they're talking about even just like a glassiness. So it's really important to say, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Can you send me a picture so that I know what's going on here? Right. Mm -hmm. When they send you the picture and you're looking at, let's say they've got the red eyes and it looks like you've breached the waterline. It does not look like the lid is swollen. It doesn't look like contact dermatitis. So what we'd say in this case it looks like we've breached the waterline. Okay, so what happens when that, you know, in order to get that is the pad can move up, it can irritate the yeah. eye a little bit like that and cause some redness. And this okay. is where you usually then go, let me prescribe you some antibiotics. <laughs> that's right. You have this and let me, you know, come in and, and get treated by me. No, yeah. no, no, that's not what you say. Okay, You say, just checking. if that's the case, and that we've had a couple of people have this before, and you go to the doctor, the doctor is going to tell you to use a lubricating eye drop, not to use Visine. Um, for a couple of days, although if you have to, because you're getting your portraits taken or something like that, then go ahead and do it. But it's going to cause some dryness. And then, Visine will? Yes. Uh, get the red out Visine. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes Visine makes other products like a lube, you know, but anything that's specifically a vasoconstrictor. I love um, that word, vasoconstrictor. Yeah. It makes you sound really like yeah. smart, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to attack you with my vasoconstrictor. <laughs> it, will, it will dry out the eye, right? It will actually makes it more irritable. Irritable. And, yeah. and lots of times clients are trying to self-diagnose and try to figure it out and then they'll use something like that. But it really does actually add to the dryness and the sensitivity. So we tell people right out the gate, don't use that if we see any redness in the eye before they leave the salon. You might get sued by Visine now for knocking their product, by the way. They're going to be like, our stock dropped after (laughs) LashCast said, do not use Visine when your eyes are red. I wish we had that kind of breach, but... (laughs) We're getting um, there. Any company that says, get the redness out. Okay. That's right. Generic (laughs) Visine. There you go. (laughs) So you're going to tell them you can use a, a warm compress to help, you know, get blood flow to the area. You might see that it gets a little bit redder before that it gets better, but it's not something the doctor's going to say that's going to have any long-lasting issues with your vision, if that's what it is. 
if you're comfortable with that, you can follow that treatment or you can go see a doctor. That's why we always recommend being working with a doctor so that you can get this information from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and have more confidence in referring. But that's how you'd handle that situation. So you would say that if that's what it is, this is how it's handled and this is, you know, what you can expect from it. You know, ask yourself, is that more comforting than like, I can't tell you what that is, go see a doctor. You know, like if you get a facial it's or my something last day like that. that. That, you know, yeah, location. You know, and you're experiencing some peeling or some redness, which could be very normal after a beauty procedure. And they just said, "I don't know, go see a doctor." It's not super friendly. <laughs> you I was, know, you- I was just going to bring that comparison up because our treatment rooms are very similar to facial rooms, mm-hmm. and they're not doctors, like we're not doctors. But an esthetician would never tell you, "I'm sorry that your skin is peeling." I don't have anything to help you go see your doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a little extreme mm-hmm. and totally breaks trust with the client it to does. not have an answer. And it's not saying this is what you have to do. It's saying this is what I recommend. There's a difference between prescribing and, and yeah, observing, observing and, and suggesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most people are just so scared of being sued. I, I mean, we live in an age where it seems like anyone and everyone wants to make easy money, and suing seems like a way you can do it without doing anything. So I think people are just trying to not get close to the cliff. At least the people suggest to say, I just don't want, because I think most people probably do do something, but I just don't want to keep hearing some of these other influencers out there with no other voice saying, maybe there's another opinion yeah. here, saying, look, yes, we don't want to go over the cliff and be prescribing medication and be, you know, doing all sorts of diagnosis. But at the same time, we can't get so over the top that, you know, we're basically injuring maybe people because yeah. we feel like we can't say anything and then they have to run to the doctor and that takes long for them to get there. Or worse, they're going for doctors for such minor details that they're spending all this extra money to see doctors when it was... When they're like, use some lubricating eye drops. Yeah, your eyes are dry. Goodbye, have yeah. a good day. You know, you're going to yeah. be okay. You yeah. know, don't go spend a hundred bucks seeing the doctor to tell you the same thing. Right. We have to be careful. I mean, we also just, on the other hand, you don't want to be so brazen or so bold to say, oh, that's that. You know, I I know what that is. That's contact dermatitis and, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You should always say it may be, it appears that way. And if that's what it is, this is the case, not that you have that. And if you're concerned, you should see a doctor. This is when you should see a doctor if it gets worse. I mean, when you leave the emergency room or you leave the doctor's office, they always give you like a little scenario to say, if your fever gets worse, if the rash spreads, if you get nauseated again, come back and see us. If your fever, you know, so they, they have some kind of guidelines. There have been a couple of situations that we've had in our past where it wasn't what we thought it was initially. Now, thank goodness we never gave them that diagnosis. It, you know, it could be this or it could be something else that I'm not aware of. But I think this might be a time that you see a doctor because I didn't understand why just one of her eyes was having an issue. And she came back and she said, oh, I'm so glad you told me to go. I'm so glad that I went because it was a situation that was kind of rare. The doctor hadn't seen it, but it wasn't at all caused by the lashes. It Mm. was caused by my heart, (laughs) something like that. She had a small heart. Two sizes, too small. Too small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I actually, just made up the heart thing. I can't oh, okay. remember what it was, but it was not. It was not connected to anything. It wasn't. The it la- wasn't connected to the lashes. Okay, yeah. thank you. Because I thought yeah, the yeah, heart. Yeah. Like really? Wow, yeah, your heart. No. <laughs> I have a growth in my arm. It's from my heart. <laughs> 
everything's connected, actually. Yes, Truly. that's right. Yes, it is. yes, it is. All right. All right. So anyhow, I think one last thing I was going to say is that the front desk, what we teach our front desk to do. So in case you have a front desk, I just want to share this. We basically they'll call in. They'll say, "Hey, my eyes are red, or they're itchy, or puffy." Usually, those are the two biggest ones, and we will tell our staff, "Please send us a photo." Right away, you know, that way we usually get to Tusney or another team member, like if Erica's around, Christina, and say, can you take a look at the photo and just confirm what you think? We're not diagnosing. We're just going to say from the symptoms that we see, this appears, this is what's going on. So especially with the contact dermatitis, we'll look and goes, yes, we'll get back to them and say, we just looked at the photo. Thanks for saying it appears that you have contact dermatitis. What I suggest you do is, and we you know, listen to episode six and we go through that whole spiel. And then we still at the end still say, but if you really want to, you can go see a doctor and tell them this and da, 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 da. And we give them the recommendation of what we would do. We don't diagnose, but at the same time, the front desk is trying to calm them because they're coming to you looking for someone to uh, abate their fears because they're, they're scared. You yeah. know, they're possibly scared that something they're going to go blind. I mean, I don't yeah. know how many people have thought, what if I'm going blind, you mm-hmm. know? So by not knowing or saying, well, you better go see a doctor, <laughs> you just really scared them more. And if you don't have an answer, the very next thing they're going to do is call another lash salon. That's true. Because that yeah. has happened mm-hmm. with yeah. us. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're going to another lash salon who could give even worse information yeah. out. They do. They, they'll say, oh my gosh, I can't believe the lashes they put on you. Oh my gosh, they damaged you or they got glue in your eye or you something. You need to take you know? Benadryl and you need to do this and you All need to do that. Stuff. Yeah, right. Just making stuff up because they feel like you're a competition yeah. and so they're going to they try won't. to sabotage you. Yep. And, That's but, very sad. By the way, don't do that if you do that. We don't do that to other salons. Yeah. I've seen more and more people posting, that, hey, let's not bash yeah, let's each not other. Yeah, that. that you know, let's man. protect each other. Mm-hmm. You know, the goal is to build the industry up, not tear it down. And I think when we bash each other, we're actually losing clients as a whole for all mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. So, side note on that one. Uh, let me say one more thing about the medical advice. There are situations where, like, somebody will call two weeks after they've had lashes. And they'll say, my eye is really red and itchy. And you're still going to ask for a picture, but right away, two weeks, that's kind of a red flag for a lash stylist because if something is happening two weeks post, it's going to be pretty rare that it's going to have anything to do with the lashes. Okay, so let's go through the checklist real quick. If it's an infection, like a bacterial infection, a bacterial infection needs 48 to 72 hours to incubate. So... If they are saying it three days from the point kind of they got thinking, pink eye or something, it's, it's possible. It's, possible, you, it's yeah. possible that it came from you. It's possible, right? Yeah. If it's the day after immediately, then we know that that's not the case. Okay. Yeah. If it's two weeks later, again, it's something, it's, else. It's something else, right? It might still be an infection, but it's not caused by. The only thing okay. I think that two weeks out that would still be us is if someone's glued two lashes together and it's gotten extremely painful and irritated. Yes, that's actually going to show up usually within the week and a half. Yeah, but I'm just two saying weeks, some two, people yeah. are really slow After growing. After two weeks, yeah. it's, it, they'll usually self-fix it. But if it's one week, one and a half weeks, that's probably very... Much you yeah. d- kept two lashes glued together and that's causing... Because I will get irritated. It'll get red and sore right. around the area too. Actually, a note on connections I just thought of is some of the advice we've heard about not giving any medical advice and the reasons behind it is they say it's irresponsible if your client is having any discomfort or irritation of any kind to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. That's like what we've seen oh, said yeah. about this. That's so, almost verbatim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my thoughts are like, well, what if they have a connection? Yeah. 
and you're like, I'm sorry, go see your doctor <laughs> without... You could, that you could have fixed yourself. That you could have fixed yourself. Like yeah. it's, it's You just like got to think through this. Well, okay, let's just more. take that example and let's ride with it, okay? So she has a connection. She goes to see the doctor and the doctor takes a look at it through the slit lamp, which means it is larger than life, okay? And he says, those things are doing damage to your lashes. Okay, <laughs> we had this actually, it was a day that we took the staff on a field trip to see Dr. Stout. Mm-hmm. And he started telling the story and I nearly had a heart attack because he's like, it just describing this lady and her lashes and they were the worst that he's ever seen and I was mortified like in front of the staff he's like oh it wasn't somebody that you guys did no <laughs> we were like, you oh, I mean you could have said that you start with that start with that next time I know we were all like uh. and but he showed us the picture and he says yeah normally when I see work it's not connected but this is pretty much all connected so you may want to think twice about the person that you're going to so I, I mean I'm going to say if somebody's complaining about itching or a connection or something, I'm going to say take a look at it, explore it. If it's something that you can fix for them right now, do it because you are that's what's best for your client. I mean, mm-hmm. doctors take an oath first, do no harm, right? We have to do the same. We have to do no harm, right? Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we're really protecting our clients and future. So yeah. take a look. We should uh, make a lashocratic oath. Oh, yeah, like a Hippocratic. Yeah, yeah, Lash- Hippocratic. Yeah, Lash- Hippocratic. I like that. That's we, funny. Should, we should think about I that. I shall do no harm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I shall check my work. <laughs> I shall make sure there's no stickies. I shall educate my clients. That's yes. right. That's, yeah. that's elastic. Yeah. We should write that up. That'd be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so Erica, to- it's on your to-do yes. list. Okay. Um, <laughs> so if they call two weeks from now, and sometimes people can say, oh, my eyes are stinging, and it can be like a week after or even two weeks after. The glue is dissolving, you know. A good troubleshooting for that is ask them how they're washing their lashes. Oh, I haven't washed them that well, or I am washing. But sometimes they might just consider a rinse without any hand contact washing. What we've noticed is that if the eyes get stingy midweek or they complain about super stinging when they first get into the shower and their face gets wet, it's an indication that they're not washing their lids and their lashes well enough. So if you want to nip that in the bud, say, well, it sounds like you may not be getting your eye area clean enough. So I really want you to wash and I want you to wash with the pads of your fingers and you hold your little palm up and you motion to your pads of your fingers and you say, I want you to take the pads of your fingers and I want you to squeegee your eye. And you're explaining them. Now, if you're doing this and your bonds are not that good, they're going to pop off more. So you want to make sure that you've got good bonds when you're telling them to do this. But if they're complaining about stingingness, a good indication that it's just seriously not, they're not cleaning their lids enough. So... Yeah, I was thinking, what if someone is a doctor and they do lashes? Can they prescribe? They sure can. See, I was looking because I have here Dr. Lashes on the website. <laughs> and I think I would, I'm just looking at their website and go, wow, there's a guy named Dr. Lashes. Uh, I think it would be really cool to get the, you know, go there and get your lashes and afterwards get disease or something and get a prescription. At but the same that could time. just be a moniker. Oh. It could be just a DBA doing business as. Oh, so. I mean that's he's not really a doctor. Sorry, with lashes. Not, it's like when it's like celebrity yeah. lashes and they don't actually do any celebrities. Uh, yeah, that's right. I don't. I will name names, but uh, they're all out there. They're all in LA, by the way. There's like yeah. about ten thousand people who do lashes and makeup for celebrities, and uh, yeah, that's we can talk about that sometime. The oh, the, the false the, advertising, false advertising, yeah. or just the, the sense that people feel bad about themselves sometimes because that's like, oh, I'm not doing celebrities. That's okay. Truth is, we've done them. They're not that exciting. It's not that it's really high maintenance. Yeah, and they cancel Can no be. show. They, they don't like to pay no, either. I don't want to. We have some 
amazing actors who come and get the No, we do. We do. do. And we do. And awesome. those gals are amazing. It's just, yeah. Those we've are like also legit had, people. But you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. that's who, what's that saying? You attract what you yeah. are or whatever. Yeah. Which means I attract a lot of crap. Laws of attraction, Would whatever. Stop? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think that, I mean, overall, we've, yes, we have the people that are with us. We will want to keep forever and we love them and they're great. But we've had some pretty bad run-ins and stories with some high-maintenance celebrities who don't appreciate what we do or anyone does. I think they're so used to being catered to and pampered that they don't appreciate it. And that's why I guess we don't like it yeah, so much. So we don't, don't want that. that. So, all right, let's move on to, to our next topic. How about this? Mm. You shall never swipe glue on the pad. <laughs> I know. Turning these into like creeds. Yeah, these are creeds, yeah. <laughs> no, because okay. what you see, let me just set it up and then let you guys respond. Is I think everyone's seen the videos out there where people take a, like a bottle of glue and they squeeze the heck out of it, pour it all over cotton, and then eventually. Of course, the cotton starts smoking. Yeah, it starts you just smoking. Pour globs of the glue. glue on it. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're making, <laughs> already making the point, I think. I know. But it's just, it's like. <laughs> Okay, so I get it. If we accidentally take a whole bottle of glue and spill it all over their face, I guess, where there's cotton, cotton on their clothing or whatever, they might catch fire and burn up. But Watch out, beware. Yeah, but really, what's going on here? The takeaway that I want people to just take away from that is that that could happen if you use that much glue, right? If you use that much glue, it's possible that you can see smoke rising from the puddle. I think that it's also that people are concerned about a quote-unquote chemical burn mm. on the eyeball. Yeah, totally, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I think when I've seen that talked about, not swiping glue on the iPad or the gel pad, I don't like saying iPad because I think of friggin' yeah, iPad. Apple iPads <laughs> every single time. <laughs> so gel pad. Uh-huh. I've seen in the context of because the fumes are too much because it'll irritate the eye. The eye will start watering. It'll cause a chemical burn. Yeah. I just think there's misinformation about I think there's misinformation too. And if you're using that much adhesive in those kind of quantities, I mean, let's say we're actually literally working with a drop, which is like maybe, I don't know, like 20 mils. I mean, one drop when you put on the... Yeah. Okay. If we're actually using that quantity... You know, with doing lashes, we should really be concerned, but we're not. We're not dealing with that much. It's like taking Elmer's glue across the lid and just laying it all the way across yeah. the top of your lid and then I dropping mean, lashes on this. Our fast tweezers, first of all, won't hold that drop unless it's, you know, being fed from a source up above, right? Yeah. If you put the tips of the tweezers in the adhesive and make a dot, it's not going to come out that much unless we're working with that glue bottle and we're like trying to, you know, squirt it over the iPad, that's not a hazard. When is that going to happen, right? Never. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's extremely unlikely, yeah. okay? It's not a risk to drip that much onto the eye. So yeah. when is that going to be a risk? It's not. Maybe we should do an, uh, a video and show me accidentally spilling a whole bottle of glue on someone's cotton sweater and see what happens. Well, you could do something like that easily. See if they go and smoke. (laughs) But I think actually on the eye or swiping on the pad, when we're swiping an eyelash, okay, the eyelash cannot hold that much. It can't even hold that drop, all right? It can hold a couple little dots along the way, but it's not going to hold that much. Lob of glue, yeah. Right, so... Because we've seen online where people say, not just the fact that they're afraid of the glue catching fire, like in the big amounts, but they even say swiping a small bit of glue on the pad can generate heat and cause a chemical burn. Let's talk about that. Can it? 
It can't do it in that small a amount. amount. I guess the question would be, what is the max you could load up one lash extension with? Okay. Well, first of all, it's going to depend on the source that you're pulling from. So when you dispense that drop, are you just dispensing more than one drop? When we're watching, I mean, Lash Beast Jamie's got a great video on it. He tests Sky Glue and the model uh, puts four yeah. drops on before it starts to smoke. Okay. So you would have to start with a pool that's larger than four drops and be able to swipe all that up on one extension and then drop that onto the pad. pad. Now, we're assuming that the pad is covered with cotton, but most of the pads are not covered with cotton. But let's just imagine yeah, for the second that it does. Old it school is, here, it is cotton tape or cotton. something. You'd still have to put that. So how are you going to get that four drops loaded onto that one hair on that one extension? It's it, all about scale, right? The smaller scale, it doesn't yeah. generate that heat. But yes, on large yeah, scale, it does. Large, it does. But most of us are dealing with one drop of glue that we dispense onto the pad, right? And there's no way we can pick that whole drop up with one extension. If somebody yeah. can figure out how to do that, then great. But I mean, we should be spending our time focusing on on lashing well, making good bonds. What about uh, people who say, and I've seen this too, where they say, well, you're going to get fumes around the eyes and that's going to cause irritation because mm-hmm. you put it on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, the gel pad, <laughs> yeah, not the iPad. You. Okay. So fumes are created or when something is vapors, heated, I should right? say, yeah. And vapor is created when those things are gaseous. So the difference would be smoke is a fume because it's being burned. It's actual particles in the air. Uh, steam... Uh, from a boiling pot of water is vapors. And, and it's actually getting into the air too, but it's a gas form. So with the cyanoacrylate, it's the vapors. So yeah. the question is, are the vapors irritating, right? Yeah, because, if I put it close to the eye like that, you're right, putting it right, right there. Okay. So if we are saying yes to I'm that... I'm setting you up, I, I know. know. <laughs> I know. If, if we say yes, then all of us should put our tweezers down and we have no business doing eyelash extensions at all. Why is I stand that? I don't by that. understand. Well, because if we're swiping, we're actually swiping a farther distance away than the distance that we actually apply that lash on. We're applying that lash either straight to the base of the hair or yeah. you're doing it a millimeter off, right? That is far closer in much near proximity than where you're swiping on the pad, okay? So, yeah. so if you're swiping on the pad and it's causing, and we need to protect our clients from the vapors, then we have no business doing it even closer onto their body. And guess what? Clients, so let's say you don't swipe on the pad at all. A client opens her eyes. The vapors are still going to make her eyes sting. That's right. Because you're doing her lashes. Mm Yeah. So whether or not you swipe it on the pad or you're just doing lashes, if she opens her eyes, it's going to sting either way. And that's what you're saying. If we're so concerned about that, mm-hmm. then we shouldn't even be doing lashes then at we all. we shouldn't be doing lashes Because we know all. that the vapors don't cause any permanent damage. And guess what? Chemical burns don't either. Yeah. I mean, that's not ideal. We don't want that to happen. Yeah. No, we're not going to burning their skin. Yeah. When you swipe it onto the pad, it cures. Instantly. It, you know, as soon as your glue time is one to two seconds, it cures because it's such a small area. It cures faster. A small amount of glue. Small yeah. amount of glue, right? And then you're putting that onto the hair and then it's curing, right? So once it's cured, it's not giving off vapors anymore. Okay. So as soon as it happens in that one to two seconds, it's done. Yeah. It's set up. Molecules are no longer motile. <laughs> Do we want to talk about why we use the pad as a tool for us to swipe yeah, while we're Yeah, yeah, okay. Because we're like defending this. Yes, <laughs> so okay, okay, yeah. Let's, let's say why. Well, the reason why I encourage people to swipe is because I want them to have 
the precise amount that they're going to hit the target with, the target of the native hair, which is the client's eyelash, and you want it to have just the right amount. If there's too much on there, you want to be able to swipe it off. Now, if you've been taught your whole life never to swipe, then you're going to learn by habit to pick up less than you need. Mm -hmm. It is possible for you to do the right thing, I mean, to pick up the exact right amount, but there's a learning curve to that. Mm -hmm. So during that learning curve, your tendency will be to pick up less because your goal is to not get anything on that pad, right? But every day is different. Every day is different than the day before, so your humidity is a little bit different. Every day it's a little bit of adjusting to find out what is that sweet spot. So I want people to use the gel pad you're going to throw it away anyway. The client doesn't look at it. They're not asking for it to see. They don't care what the gel pad looks like. They just want long-lasting lashes. We always encourage the most surface bond you possibly can on the thinnest application of glue, but you want the most, right? Especially when we're learning, you sometimes need to go back and pick up more. And I want people to be able to use that and not be hindered that they're going to be judged on swiping the pad. You know, I mean, swipe we, the pad. During a class, we had a point is that if you train yourself to never swipe, basically, which is, I think, what most people do at this point, you're going to err on the side not having enough glue on the last, which will affect your retention. Yeah. It will stick, and you can see visually that it's sticking, but in terms of long durability, no, it's not going to have as much surface area on there. It would be like you're going to do some watercolors, and you have your paints, and you have your brushes, and there's no blotter. Mm -hmm. You have to just draw the picture, you know, without any eraser. Why put that hindrance on you? Why do that? I mean, I understand in a competition, right? A competition, it's partially for the aesthetic aesthetic and they want a clean pad, right? Okay. And it's not for durability, whatever. If you're doing competition, you can be in charge of whatever rules you want. So I can understand that. But if your client is paying for durability and playing for lashes that last then that's what you should be giving them instead of a clean pad. I mean, unless you're going to be advertising, I do clean pads. I, you know, and if that's a value to you, then go for it, right? But I don't think most of our clients really care about that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to use anecdotal evidence, which we generally don't like to use, but I think in this case it's pretty powerful. I think I forget how many people we've seen over since 2006. I think it's well over 20,000 people have come to our salon over the years, and in our you know 13 plus years of being a salon, uh, we've never once had a chemical burn on the face from swiping the pad. No, or and the I, eyes. Or let the me, eye, that, or let the me tell you, I, it is not for lack of trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no one of my it's, very first, yeah. first, I think it was maybe the first episode we ever did, I told a horror story uh, yeah, about Obama. Yeah, Michelle. Michelle Obama came into town and one of our clients was hosting and I got like a quarter size swath of glue on her forehead and yeah, you have to listen to that one if you want to hear what happened. But horror story. And I did get a lot of uh, adhesive on the corner of somebody's eye, and uh, you know, but it didn't cause a burn. Thank goodness. Cool. We have so many that we could go over. I'm going to save the next one for I think a full episode because okay. I think that one would be is a big one. So I what want. Is it? Can we tweet? Can we? We want to talk. Yeah, patch testing. I think that one we should really talk about in depth sometime because I think patch testing, again, is something completely misunderstood and how it works and when you should do it and all that stuff. I'll just give everyone a preview. We don't patch test at our slot. Okay. And it's not going to help you. Yeah, it's not going to help you. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you can send all your hate mail and DMs to Erica. (laughs) And uh, she's at Erica at or (laughs) Derry Lash, whatever it is. No. I'm not going to tell you what it really is. Yeah, whatever email is. (laughs) Um, No, actually, though, you should send questions. Yeah. 
listening no, to this. No, definitely send questions. DM us. We'll go into that. I think I'll save that for an episode or maybe a little bit more because we're running short on time. And I don't want to like, cut that one off because it's a good one. Let's talk about this. And we kind of hinted this earlier. I m- joked about it, but we talked about Benadryl. There's a lot of people trying to take Benadryl to deal with allergies. And if you haven't already listened to episode six, go back to listen to that and you'll get the full answer. But real quickly in the short, what do you guys think about Benadryl to help mm. you prevent the allergy? I just would like to say, if you are thinking that Benadryl is going to cure your allergy, I mean, you might as well just take vitamins. Like, it doesn't <laughs> do anything. Flintstone chewables or whatever out there? Yeah. No, it's like, uh, I said this in class, it's like putting out a house fire with a squirt gun. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's how effective That's it is, perfect. right? Yeah. So the water in the squirt gun will affect the flames that it comes into contact with, but it The has, house will still burn down. The house will still burn down, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an antihistamine. And it is not effective for contact dermatitis, and that's what's going on. And so I'm not saying that it's not going to have an effect on the histamines that are happening in the body, but it's not enough to make a dent in the contact dermatitis that's happening on the eyes. Yeah. So by saying that, you're potentially opening a client to, you know, I mean, it's not effective. It's not going to be effective. So you're doing nothing to really help her. And if anything, it's like you're harming your credibility if you say just take Benadryl or just take a Claritin. Right. Because if they are truly allergic, if they're one of the 5% that's truly allergic to the cyanoacrylate, they're going to get no benefit from that. And then you lose credibility. So, And then you lose a client because yeah. they, they, they tried a couple of times and they finally go, forget it. I'm tired of my eyes being puffy. I'll just le- quit doing lashes or they'll go look for a sensitive glue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which no, is also another thing. Don't do that either. A sensitive glue is still going to cause a reaction. Yeah. the lashes won't last as long. They'll still have to come back. Which is why right, almost right. I don't know if there's. I, it's hard to find sensitive glues now. There are a lot of salons of or um, yeah, the manufacturer just dropped it. Doesn't mm-hmm. really help anyone. So mm-hmm. they realize, no, well, don't do it. So Benadryl not a good idea. Doesn't really help you in any mm-hmm. way. It's like you said. Bring a squirt gun to a house fire. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's do a few quickies here. These ones are going to be more, I guess I'll probably share my thoughts on these. So I get to talk now. You guys can listen to me sound profound. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the first one. If I'm a good lash stylist, I should be making 100K I or I should be one. making six digits. And my, here's my thought. I'll just tell you this because I just saw this recently. Someone posted a, another one of these graphs online and they said infographs where they just say, hey, if you do five people a day at this amount and you work 52 weeks out of the year, you'll make six digits. And it's a little bit, I think it's a bait and switch in some ways because they're not really telling what's really going on. First, not including expenses. They never say, oh, by the way, you get to do everything free. You know, this whole idea when you work in a suite, they tell you, you get to keep all your money. Yes, you do. And you get to pay rent and insurance and higher taxes and all the back bar and da, 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 and go through the list of things that you have to do. So well, can I just yeah. say, when somebody says you're going to make $100,000 a year, all you have to do is five fills at $75 a day. But it's half of the equation because the other part of the equation is, well, what are your costs? Yeah. What do you need to, you know, it doesn't answer that. You could do so, five people a day and still be losing money if you don't know what your costs are. Yeah. Let's say your rent's really high. Let's say you're buying gold lashes and you're buying the most expensive glue from like Sugar Lash or Barbara with like $120 bottles and everything's expensive because you just think you're making bank. And then you find out at the end of the year, like, wow, I did $105,000 in business. And I only made $40,000 in my pocket 
because all my expenses were so high and I just didn't pay attention to my costs. So it's really important if you're going to run your business to understand what your costs per hour are. I'm not going to go into that now. That's something we'll be teaching down the road. But cost per hour is very important because that's really how you decide what you're going to charge per hour. Because if your cost per hour, let's just say, are $80 an hour and you're charging $70 an hour, it doesn't take a genius to realize you're losing $10 every hour you work. So this whole idea of making 100k yes i think everyone's dream is make 100k that's awesome i hope that not in la you have to make like 200 yeah you make 200k <laughs> just yeah equate what you're making like in utah utah they got made they make 100k and they're literally making like 200,000 compared to here but that said i just don't want people to feel bad i i think yeah. part of it is people quit i think this discourages people they watch it they see it go Oh, I've been in business for a year. I'm only seeing two, three people a day. Some days I'm really lucky for, and I'm kind of busy, but I'm not seeing that six digits. Or there's other people out there, which I've seen too, go, oh, I'm making six digits. And I'm like looking at them, and I can go, I do this. I'm, I'm a stalker. I go on and I look at people's, and I'm in a joking way to us, so it's not real stalking. I go online and I'll look at their booking. I'll just go and see if I can book with them. And if I can book tomorrow, that's not a good sign. That's not being slammed. It means you have openings. That means not every day is busy. And if they make six digits, they're not being honest and saying, well, yeah, I paid thirty, forty thousand dollars in other expenses. So really after it was all done, I took sixty or fifty or whatever home. And that would be the more honest discussion. What do you take after you pay all your bills versus just bragging about how your company made so much. I mean, our salon, two years in a row, we've done seven digits. Now, I don't talk about that often, but that sounds like, oh my gosh, you must, must be killing it. But truth is, no, we're not. We're just like most salons. We have a small profit margin, about 4%. And most of them, almost, in fact, all the profits go right back into the company. We don't keep any for ourselves. We don't end up with a pot of gold every year that me and Tusk go to, to you know Vegas and blow on whatever. We just... It all goes right back in the slot. There's always something to spend it on. It's like, oh, great. Now we have to you know, get new paint or we need new equipment or the loops are all broken or we have to buy this because we're going to expand our training. We need more beds. We need more lights. We need more advertising to promote things. I mean, there's always things to spend it on. So I think even though we do seven digits and we're doing well in that sense, as far as top line, the most important number to be asking yourself is what's your bottom line? And if you don't know what that is, what the bottom line is really your net take? What is your profit? What are you walking away with when your salon is all done? Because it's easy for all expenses to eat up all your top of the line, which is when you look at a income statement, um, there's like your top of the line, which is where you bring your income and then bottom of the line is what you take home after everything's paid for all the expenses. So I think it would be more interesting to hear people talking about what's your bottom of the line? Like, oh yeah, last year at our salon, we did a 10% profit. That's awesome. So what's the tool that our listeners can take away when they see a claim, like how to make $100,000? Because there's a formula here that we're wanting people to see. What, yeah. can it's you, a sales tool. Usually yeah. they're trying to sell you their training. They're going to say, hey, sign up for training. You'll be making six digits in no time. That's just wrong, bad advertising. That's you know, not honest. That's dishonest. So just ignore those people. Thankfully, there's some of the big name brands I've seen. They've been much more honest. I've seen these other companies I highly respect. They stop doing that because I think they realize there are a lot of people coming back to us by complaining like I'm not making six digits why aren't yeah, I doing that yeah. so I more see it's more the fringe companies now that seem to be doing it the ones that are just trying to get you in for that training and they're just hoping to entice you so if you're new to this business don't feel bad I just it's or, okay or ask yourself what in the claim ask yourself what is it that they're not telling me yeah. and if you can try to figure out that answer you know what is it that I don't know about this I just want to encourage folks to use your brain to just to protect yourself to find out 
out what it is that they're not telling you or what you're not aware of in this so that you can be equipped to pursue truth. Exactly. With the claim, all you have to do to make $100,000 is do X mini fills and do, you know, yeah. part of it's enticing. Now, I remember there was a time in my life, it was another lifetime ago, that I was thinking about doing multi-level marketing. In fact, I did for a while. One of yeah. my best girlfriends, she so, made me be a party We don't talk to her anymore. No, I love her. <laughs> I love her to death. I love her to death. And yeah. it, anyway, I did. I did this. Party light, which is a multi-level co- candle sales. Colonial candle yeah, of Cape Cod. No, I love it. I love it. I no. mean, they hook, line, and sinker. They have their great products. Well, no, they, but they know how to sell. Their, yeah, they know the how to, to sell the dream. The dream, okay, and to yeah. get you to be a consultant, like right. they can. Yeah. Oh, all they had to do for me was say, all you need to do is get five friends to sign up and do this, and you get two extra ones, and then one day you're going to have the pink car too. And I'm like, I too can do that, right? <laughs> And it seems so tangible. It seems like that's all I have to do. But what they don't tell you is it's like what you're doing is you're leading people. You're not selling the candles anymore in in people's homes. You are, but you're actually empowering other people to do that and create businesses. You're being a business maker. And that's a different skill. That's a different level of commitment than just signing up your five friends to host parties for you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they're doing it to you know make the deal and get those numbers in because their commission depends on you know signing you up. Those many bodies signing you up and they'll say things that are true but follow the path of least resistance. And in the same way I mean people will do that with lashes too, right? Yeah. They won't make it sound easy. Yeah. I think that's the thing. And the problem is it's not easy. It's never easy. It doesn't matter if you're a single practitioner. We were talking to a big brand owner recently or DMing back and forth and she's dealing with her own issues and it's like, it's same struggle. It doesn't matter how, where you're at. If you're a single operator or a salon with two people or a salon like us with like 12, or if you're you know dealing with a big brand. Like 12 salons. With, you know, or 12 salons or 40 employees, 50 employees, whatever it is. All along that way, it's always going to be a struggle. It's always going to be hard. There's never a path where you show up to work and the birds are singing and it's like Disneyland and everyone's all happy and everything's perfect. It's always going to be a struggle. So let's not try to paint this picture that, hey, you just get the certificate and in six weeks you'll be making 100 k a year and everyone will be so happy and there will never be a struggle. It's just a big lie. That's the tool. If the advertising is like really good Too and you're good like, that's it, that's all I have to do, mm-hmm. that's yeah. your warning, that's your red flag, that's something you need to do some extra homework because you're about to be suckered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when people contact me with the training, I mean, I turn down people right now who want to learn lashes. I'm like, I'm sorry, we don't train beginners. And then I also tell people like, hey, you know, if you really want to learn lashes with us, the five days is the best way to go. I know that means less people want to sign up because guess what? I mean, five days is a big commitment and a lot of people don't have the kind of time. But I'm like, if you really want to get grounded, two day can be good. I mean, if you've been doing lashes for a long time, two day you get in and out, you're going to walk away with at least the basic understanding and then you've got to practice. But it's still going to take you months, months mm-hmm. to learn and practice. I mean, when we train, we've said this, when we train someone, they have a year experience, usually minimum, and then it takes them one to three months to get on the floor and they're still very just average. It takes one year, in our opinion, to get pretty good and two years to get really solid. 
Mm-hmm. And that's. But you haven't arrived you, at two years. And I yeah, see a lot not, of people yeah. calling themselves masters, yeah. which is like, you know, if you've made it, sweetheart, then I'm so proud of you. But, but there's almost no industry in this years, world where two years mm-hmm. is considered mastery. Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. no industry. Mm-hmm. You go into arts, you go into cooking, chefs. I mean, you go to a chef, you say, oh, yeah, I'm a seasoned chef at two years. People look at you like, no, you're, <laughs> you're a sous chef. You're the, the guy who cuts the vegetables for me. You know, or if you go into any sort of industry, like engineering, software, most of these places, it's very rare to see someone rise to the top in that short period of time. I'm not trying to steal anybody's thunder or yeah. rain on anybody's parade. That's not what I'm doing. What I want people to do is reach for something that's actually beyond their reach. And the hard part is, is that when you're kind of beginning, you don't know what you don't know, you know, and... I want people to be rounded, and I don't know. I just want to save you from the pain of recognizing, yeah. you know, realizing that you're not where you think you are. There's nothing wrong with being realistic and yeah. having a, and also understanding there's nothing wrong with you if it's taking longer. No. Be, patience is one of the most important virtues you can have when building a business. And if you're not patient, you're going to quit. And I bet a lot of people do quit this industry because they were sold on this. They take the training, and then six weeks later, like, what, what happened? I get one new client a week. When's that three new clients a day going to start happening? Mm-hmm. I mean, how's that going to happen in a week? I can't imagine three new clients five days in a row. That would, that's impossible to get those type of numbers. Do they really say in six weeks? You can make hundred. No, they just say that, you know, take our class and you can make six digits. They don't say six weeks, but I mean, the idea is that you take this class and you're gonna walk out with training and and be able to start charging. I mean, I just told someone recently, like yesterday, she DM'd me like, well, I want to take the class and when can I start charging? I said, oh, maybe in three months. I said, you're going to practice afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I recommended her to like a couple other companies, a big name company. I said, look, go. We don't teach beginners. Go take one of their classes, but don't expect that the next day you're going to be charging. And she was like, ready to go. Well, I'll take the class and I'll start charging next week. It's got to like right. saying to people, all you have to do is pass the California bar and you can be an attorney. Yeah, make a million dollars a year next year. You can. You can take a class, but still you're going to have to go to law school to be able to <laughs> understand the context that, to take yeah. the class. I mean... It's true. All you have to do is pass the test. Yeah, you don't have to go to the school to get past the bar. You can do it on your own. Yeah, but it's one of the hardest in test. the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that it's great to have goals, and exactly. if that's your dream, then work hard at it. Take as many trainings as you can. You know, maybe one day a long time down the road, you start training other people because you'll make money doing that. Yeah, and I always like to say that a realistic benchmark for what lash artists make if you're really busy is kind of like a nurse's salary. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's pretty comparable. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe a little less stressful. <laughs> yeah. And then you put less pressure on yourself. Not that we want you to aim low, but at the same time, realize this is how realistic expectation. I mean, I Glad Lash, a company that's here local in L.A., did a survey two, three years ago that I found very useful. They surveyed a bunch of lash stylists, asked them about their income. Now, again, I don't know if they asked about what their gross was or their net, but they just said, what do you make a year? So we're going to just give them the benefit of a doubt and say that they were talking about take-home pay. Part of me still thinks it's not, but I'll just say it was. Only 2% of the people surveyed made more than six digits. 2%. That means out of 100 people, only two made six digits. That shows you how rare it really is to get there. And I think most people don't realize how much per hour you have to charge, like, to get to that level and how many clients a day you have to do and how many weeks out of the year. I know a lot of people get in lashing because they want to control their schedule, not overwork, and want to be able to take time off when they want to be able to do things. So if that's your plan, don't plan on making six digits because if you're planning to take 
four weeks off a year and you're planning to uh, basically work, yeah, maybe six hours a day max so you can be home for your kids in the afternoon and you want to really work maybe just three days a week, you know, so you can be with your family, which is all great. I mean, these are trade-offs, so just don't beat yourself up. And you're like, damn, I'm not making $100,000 a year. Yeah, because you're not working you know, enough hours and charge enough per hour to make that kind of real money, and then you haven't even paid your dues and taken the time to build up your clientele. So, anyhow. I think those people are also the unicorns. That 2%, that 2 out of 100, is yeah. like they could do any industry, and because they have the work ethic and the grit and – I don't even know what. Yeah. Like they could literally do anything and be making as much money as they want to be making. Yeah. Yeah, I that's just, true. People don't want to work hard. No, most so people want a nice job that's leisurely that they enjoyed, find joy in, but at the same time don't want to have to be working 60, 70 hours a week well, where they I'll have no life. Well, I'll tell you that is actually one of my biggest gripes right now is like after you do a full day of service, I'm talking like 4 to 5 people, sometimes more. You know, it's nine hours at the salon, and then you got to come home, and now you got to work on leadership. You got to work on uh, the meeting. You got to work on curricula. You got to work on a speech. You got to do something, you know, and all I want to do is just eat and and, and hang out for a little bit before I have to do it again, you know? But excellence calls for you to put those desires aside and actually, you know, do more and it's hard. I struggle with it sometimes, especially when I'm tired. Yeah, or sick like you are right now. <laughs> like right now my tummy's not feeling so good. Yeah. So. I mean, I know for me last month I worked 31 straight days before getting a day off. And actually it was 31, 32, I forget what it yeah. was. January 1st was my last day off. And I worked every day from that point on. Now, there were a couple of days where I maybe put a four or five hour day in, yes, like a Sunday or something like that. But Monday through Saturday, I didn't watch a TV show. I didn't watch any movies. I didn't play my board games I like to do. I worked every night, every day, every hour. I mean, I sat dinner with my kids and stuff like that, but they didn't see me. And that was so that we could do the trade show, so that we can do the podcast thing, so we can do all these other things that we're working on, some of these big picture things that we hope to be announcing soon. But it takes all the extra time. So if you want to do more, like you're like, oh, I just want to be a big mover and shaker, just be ready. You're going to make some trade-offs. You're not going to be working, you know, 30 hours a week and somehow being a major influencer in your industry. Those things just don't go together. Everyone you see that's working their butt off, I guarantee you, last four one, she's killing it. She's working her butt off. Lux yeah. Uncut. Lux Uncut. It's, I guarantee you hours. She told us when yeah. we interviewed her, and then Shelby too. Shelby's you know? working around the clock on her bed. Tara Walsh, oh, same thing. Jasmine. Jasmine. She's like, uh, you, you work seven days a week. Yeah. It becomes everything. Yeah. yeah. These are salon owners who are doing uh, uh, it. Do good work, working their butts off, but they're not trying to put in a 30, 40 hour work week. It just doesn't work. And I think, you know, take that pressure off you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's do one last thing and then we'll wrap this one up. And this this one shouldn't take too long. This is one that I've heard pushed out in the market by, and that is, I should be making at least a 70% commission rate. Well, I wish that was true. It'd be wonderful if everyone made 70% commission rates. I wish I made a 70% commission rate. That'd be very cool, but it's not sustainable. And there are some people out there in the industry that teach this. Obviously, in my opinion, they don't run a salon. Um, Either they're a single practitioner or I know that some people are basically they train and that's where they get all their money. 
And so they can pay higher commission rates because they don't take a dime for their salon. Or they're, they're telling people you should be making yeah. seven. Yeah. And so. meanwhile, these are salon owners who don't have additional income, don't have train income or product income. They are basically have to live off the revenue that comes in from the salon. If you do 70% commission, I guarantee those salons will be out of business in like six months or three months. Absolutely. It depends on how long the employer decides not to pay themselves. Absolutely. So what you're saying, let's paint this picture. So what you're saying is a salon owner has some lash artists and they send lash artists to some trainings yeah. and at the training the artist learns oh you should be making 70% commission oh you're only making 40 50 or 40 yeah then you're getting ripped you're off you're getting ripped off Girl. so then they go back to their salon owner and they say well you know my value and whatever fluffy words i yeah. should be making i just 70%. got some certifications so yeah i'm certified now yeah so that's what's yeah, that's Being, what's happening. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Take a look at the person where the, first of all, number one, where that information is coming from. If the person in front of you does not run a salon they herself, have no idea okay, what they're talking about. Or not in the past, but she's not currently running a salon herself and she doesn't have a staff that does services for her, you don't listen to that. That's one of the first things. Well, I wouldn't listen to either if they're a trainer and they have a salon, and I know some do. But I guarantee you the only reason why they're making it is because they're in charging so much for training that they literally take zero out of their salon. And, you know, I've told our staff, hey, my, one of my goals, why we, you know, aside from just trying to be a positive influence in our industry is so we can do offer coaching and training and bring additional revenue streams into the company so that we can pay our higher wages. Of course, that's one of our, our dreams that we want to do. It's not that we're trying, and I hope people don't hear this, we're not trying to, to cheat people. It's not that we don't want people to make good money. No. We're just saying that it's 70% is an impossible rate that if you get that, it's an indication that things aren't good with the business. Number one, because they don't know that they're in trouble. Yeah. The other thing, let me just say this right now, and it's probably not the same in other states, but in the state of California, there was a law that was passed in January. Last of year. Last year. It was in April, and it was a ruling by the Superior Court saying that the ABC test. April no, oh, I'm sorry. SB 490 says, yeah, about you have to now pay double minimum wage plus commission on top of that. Okay, so in our county, minimum wage is $12. So it would be double, which would be 22 24. Be twi- excuse- That's right. <laughs> PD professionals, right? Okay. Yes. $24 an hour, right? That's why Plus 70% sounds 70% so good. 70% commission. So yeah. if it's a $100 service, you're going to be $70. Okay, so 70 plus 24 is... Yeah, $94. $94. So the salon makes six bucks. The salon makes $6, right? So she's got to pay the rent off of that. Okay, so. Our rent, by the way, is like $9,000 a month. So I'm going to have to do a lot of services to pay for that $6 just to pay the rent, let alone all the other things that we have going on in our salon. The numbers don't add up. They don't. And I know people mean well. I mean, I know a lot of people leave their salon and go, okay, well, I only got 40%, but I'm going to leave and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to pay 70%. And they get that one employee and they probably do. And man, maybe it works for a little bit and then they add a couple more and before they know they're like oh my gosh I keep adding more people and I keep making less and less money I'm not going to try to explain the math right now but down the road when we offer this kind of business training I'll help you understand why the numbers don't add up and it just breaks down real quick and all of a sudden the salon is in the red not making a dime and the business owner has to cut their pay while we're at the ice I met two more salon owners last salon owners and both of them privately confessed to me that they don't take paychecks yeah that they're working like crazy hours, have tons of employees, and neither of them takes a paycheck. They have to have side gigs to pay their bills. That's not right. 
I mean, as much as I want to pay employees as much as I can, that's really our heart. At the same time, I don't think the employer should be like not making any money. I mean, no one got into this business to do that. And once the employees leave, they're going to find out themselves. They're going to turn around, open a place, and then they too are not going to be making as much money as they thought because they try to, to copy or you know, pay even more than the salon they were at because they thought, well, they didn't pay me enough. They took so I'm much. I'm going to be more now. generous than them. And then they find themselves in the same problem. And I don't understand why it's not working. So we just want to change the dialogue. We really feel like team-based pay is the best way to go. Mm-hmm. It's where you can control your payroll. It's also where you can allow to pay your best superstars because they get continuing to go up in the company, get higher pay, and some of them may lagging, won't get that raise. When you so, do team-based pay and you're managing your budget correctly, you can also benefits. offer benefits. Yeah. You know, Which, vacation pay, health care. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than Shelby, I didn't know of any other lash salon that was offering anything. Shelby at Pink Lady Lash offers health insurance, which we applaud. We think that's awesome. And she takes our staff once a year away in a little retreat, which is really cool. Yeah. But I guarantee you that, that comes at a sacrifice for Shelby. She's yeah. not sitting on big pots of money going, I have so much extra money, I might as well take my team somewhere. Usually, I bet it's coming at a high cost, some sacrifice on Shelby's part to make that happen. And I know that's true for pretty much every salon owner I've ever met who's not a team-based pay salon. Yeah. Team-based pay salons are different, though. I talk to them, they start talking about how cool it is they're able to offer all these extra little perks because they have a control of their budget because commission you're really guessing what your numbers are going to be you where you know what they, yeah. the cash flow that's yeah. the biggest thing you yeah. can't so we just want to take that burden off you and also if you're listening to this and you're about to go to your boss and say i just took a class and i want 70 percent commission uh, think I, you know about think that. about it because just, one day you won't be a boss i'm sure and you're not gonna be able to offer that to your people or if you no do you're gonna find yourself that you're gonna be Nowhere. broke yeah, yeah it's it's gonna be really really tough so i we just hope that that will die out and that people will get a little bit more sane and stop thinking about it's my money you're stealing from me it's not i again every owner i've met i've never met owners like oh guys you know what i'm screwing my employees it's so cool. I'm screwing them. No, I hear them share with me privately. They cry. They care. They invest. They love their staff. They love the people they work with. They chose to work with them because they liked them. And there's no one. I really, I mean, maybe once a blue moon, there's some, you know, Dr. Evil type character doing lashes and trying to screw their employees. But everyone else I've run into has only got the best intentions. And they usually end up a lot of times feeling like the bad guy because the employees will come to them and say, oh, you're taking half of my money. Well, well, oftentimes what they don't understand, they will malign. Yeah. And it has to make sense somehow. So, you know, the only explanation that they can come to is that the owner is doing this out of malice. Yeah. And... It's painful to be misunderstood. It really is. I mean, and I think with our industry, since 2008, there has been a big distrust of business, and rightfully so. I mean, 2008 was a horrible, horrible time, and a lot of people suffered, and a lot of money was lost. But I think that is a picture of beauty salons and what they're trying to accomplish. I think most of these people are sacrificing way more and usually taking money out of their own pocket just to make sure their staff has what they need to succeed. And uh, that's what I've ran into. I'm sure if you want to DM me about your evil boss, you can. I'd love to hear about it. But that's the rare. That's the exception. That's not the norm. So... All right. Well, that I think ends up our, well, yeah, that was a pretty long episode. So we got a lot, four, was it four uh, myths in? We still, we had like 37, I think, when we <laughs> wrote these all out. So we definitely have a lot more to go. We may come back around and do this another time. But otherwise, thank you guys so much for uh, chiming in with your expertise. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> all right. We'd love to continue this discussion online via social media. Please follow us on Instagram at Integrity Lash 
and at LashCast Podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, please DM us at LashCast Podcast. Please subscribe and review and share our podcast. That's how we get the word out. On behalf of our engineer, Britton, my Lash experts, Erica and Tusney, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.